Section 84 of Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 188, Failure. It was the first week in March before it was thought to be safe for Clemens to return to France, even for a brief visit to his family. He hurried across and remained with them what seemed an infinitesimal time, a bare three weeks, and was back again in New York by the middle of April. The Webster Company difficulties had now reached an acute stage. Mr. Rogers had kept a close watch on its financial affairs, hoping to be able to pull it through or to close it without failure, paying all the creditors in full. But on the afternoon of the 16th of April, 1894, Hall arrived at Clemens's room at the Players in a panic. The Mount Morris Bank had elected a new president and board of directors, and had straightway served notice on him that he must pay his notes, two notes of $5,000 each in a few days, when due. Mr. Rogers was immediately notified, of course, and said he would sleep on it and advise them next day. He did not believe that the bank would really push them to the wall. The next day was spent in seeing what could be done, and by evening it was clear that unless a considerable sum of money was raised, a voluntary assignment was the proper course. The end of the long struggle had come. Clemens hesitated less on his own than on his wife's account. He knew that to her the word failure would be associated with disgrace. She had pinched herself with a hundred economies to keep the business afloat, and was willing to go on economizing to avert this final disaster. Mr. Rogers said, Mr. Clemens, assure her from me that there is not even a tinge of disgrace in making this assignment. By doing it you will relieve yourself of a fearful load of dread, and in time will be able to pay everything and stand clear before the world. If you don't do it you will probably never be free from debt and it will kill you and Mrs. Clemens both. If there is any disgrace, it would be in not taking the course that will give you and her your freedom and your creditors a better chance for their claims. Most of them will be glad enough to help you. It was on the afternoon of the next day, April 18, 1894, that the firm of Charles L. Webster & Company executed assignment papers and closed its doors. A meeting of the creditors was called, at which H. H. Rogers was present, representing Clemens. For the most part the creditors were liberal and willing to agree to any equitable arrangement, but there were a few who were grumpy and fussy. They declared that Mark Twain should turn over his copyrights, his Hartford home, and whatever odds and ends could be discovered. Mr. Rogers, discussing the matter in 1908, said, They were bent on devouring every pound of flesh in sight and picking the bones afterward, as Clemens and his wife were perfectly willing they should do. I was getting a little warm all the time at the high-handed way in which these few men were conducting the thing, and presently I got on my feet and said, Gentlemen, you are not going to have this thing all your way. I have something to say about Mr. Clemens' affairs. Mrs. Clemens is the chief creditor of this firm. 
out of her own personal fortune she has lent it more than sixty thousand dollars she will be a preferred creditor and those copyrights will be assigned to her until her claim is paid in full as for the home in hartford it is hers already there was a good deal of complaint but i refused to budge i insisted that mrs clemens had the first claims on the copyrights though to tell the truth these did not promise much then for in that hard year the sale of books was small enough besides mrs clemens claim the debts amounted to one hundred thousand dollars and of course there must be a definite basis of settlement so it was agreed that clemens should pay fifty cents on the dollar when the assets were finally realized upon and receive a quittance clemens himself declared that sooner or later he would pay the other fifty cents dollar for dollar though i believe there was no one beside himself and his wife and me who believed he would ever be able to do it clemens himself got discouraged sometimes and was about ready to give it up for he was getting on in years nearly sixty and he was in poor health once when we found the debt after the webster salvage was going to be at least seventy thousand dollars he said i need not dream of paying it i never could manage it but he stuck to it he was at my house a good deal at first we gave him a room there and he came and went as he chose the worry told upon him he became frail during those weeks almost ethereal yet it was strange how brilliant he was how cheerful the business that had begun so promisingly and prosperously a decade before had dwindled to its end the last book it had in hand was tom sawyer abroad just ready for issue it curiously happened that on the day of the failure copies of it were filed in washington for copyright frank bliss came over from hartford and clemens arranged with him for the publication of pudd'nhead wilson thereby renewing the old relationship with the american publishing company after a break of a dozen years naturally the failure of mark twain's publishing firm made a public stir and it showed how many and sincere were his friends how ready they were with sympathy and help of a more material kind those who understood best congratulated him on being out of the entanglement pulteney bigelow douglas taylor andrew carnegie charles dudley warner and others extended financial help bigelow and taylor each enclosing him a check of one thousand dollars for immediate necessities he was touched by these things but the checks were returned many of his creditors sent him personal letters assuring him that he was to forget his obligation to them completely until such time as the remembering would cost him no uneasiness clemens in fact felt relieved now that the worst had come and wrote bright letters home in one he said mr rogers is perfectly satisfied that our course was right absolutely right and wise cheer up the best is yet to come and again now and then a good and dear joe twitchell or susie warner condoles with me and says cheer up don't be downhearted and some other friend says i'm glad and surprised to see how cheerful you are and how 
bravely you stand it and none of them suspect what a burden has been lifted from me and how blithe i am inside except when i think of you dear heart then i am not blithe for i seem to see you grieving and ashamed and dreading to look people in the face for in the thick of the fight there is cheer but you are far away and cannot hear the drum nor see the wheeling squadrons you only seem to see rout retreat and dishonored colors dragging in the dirt whereas none of these things exist there is temporary defeat but no dishonor and we will march again charlie warner said to-day show livy isn't worrying so long as she's got you and the children she doesn't care what happens she knows it isn't her affair which didn't convince me olivia clemens wrote bravely and encouragingly to him and more cheerfully than she felt for in a letter to her sister she said the hideous news of webster and company's failure reached me by cable on thursday and friday morning galignani's messenger had a squib about it of course i knew it was likely to come but i had great hope that it would be in some way averted mr rogers was so sure there was no way out but failure that i suppose it was true but i have a perfect horror and heart-sickness over it i cannot get away from the feeling that business failure means disgrace i suppose it always will mean that to me we have put a great deal of money into the concern and perhaps there would have been nothing but to keep putting it in and losing it we certainly now have not much to lose we might have mortgaged the house that was the only thing i could think of to do mr clemens felt that there would never be any end and perhaps he was right at any rate i know that he was convinced that it was the only thing because when he went back he promised me that if it was possible to save the thing he would do so if only on account of my sentiment in the matter sue if you were to see me you would see that i have grown old very fast during this last year i have wrinkled most of the time i want to lie down and cry everything seems to me so impossible i do not make things go very well and i feel that my life is an absolute and irretrievable failure perhaps i am thankless but i so often feel that i should like to give it up and die however i presume that if i could have the opportunity i should at once desire to live clemens now hurried back to paris arriving about the middle of may his second trip in two months scarcely had he got the family settled at la bourboule les bains a quiet watering-place in the southern part of france when a cable from mr rogers stating that the typesetter was perfected made him decide to hurry back to america to assist in securing the new fortune he did not go however rogers wrote that the machine had been installed in the times herald office chicago for a long and thorough trial 
there would be plenty of time, and Clemens concluded to rest with his family at La Bourboule des Bains. Later in the summer they went to Etretat, where he settled down to work. End of chapter 188 Failure Read by John Greenman